Hello, hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. And the kettle's on because on the turntable this week, we've got 12 Stops and Home by The Feeling. Uh, Dan, I remember when you once got on the tube and you only had 12 stops to go until home and then you had a few shandies and you dozed off. Before you knew it, you were at the end of the Northern Line and you had to get an £80 taxi back. That is partly true, Will. It's actually on a bus that happened. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Even worse in some ways. Uh, but also, that's not the first time it happened either. Once I was on a, not even a, an underground train, I was on an actual train trying to get to crew, fell asleep because I was drunk and woke up in Staffordshire. So uh, it's easily done, I'm, so I'm told. And what did you do? What happened? Then I had to get off the train, wait, I think, an hour, uh, fell asleep in the waiting room, then get on the train on its way back from London, I think, and I fell asleep again on the way back. So I would have ended up back in Manchester, which is where I started my journey, but thankfully, it was the same train manager, and he woke me up in Krug, so remember, that's where I needed to be. You what? must have been absolutely wasted. I'd had a, a few shandies in Canal Street. Uh, well, I hope no one took advantage of you because I know that's terrible problems with that uh, everywhere. No. <laughs> sadly, sadly, no one did. Uh, and then the train manager stepped up. <laughs> he he got you off in crew as well as made sure you got off in crew. <laughs> uh, now we've drifted off the point very quickly this week, but this is a very exciting episode because we're talking about the feeling who I think we wanted to talk about for a long time. Yes, we have, and we've been waiting and waiting for a momentous occasion. And here we are, Will, just a few days ago, as we hinted at on the socials, this album turned 15 years old. I, uh, I'm i not even going to say it, because like, I say it every week. Oh, I can't believe it's his X years old, but... Can't believe it's not butter. Yeah, I can't believe... I don't believe it! <laughs> Hello! Uh, so the feeling are a pop rock group uh, from Horsham in Sussex, which is funny because it's where uh, my other half's family live. So a local connection. Have you ever bumped into any of the feeling around there? No, uh, I haven't. Uh, when going through Swan Walk, uh, which is the shopping centre there, uh, no, I haven't unfortunately. But I'm sure. I'm reasonably sure that none of them still live in Horsham, or maybe correct us if you're if I'm wrong. Not you, Dan, just anyone in general. You don't like me correcting you, do you? No, I do not. Take real umbrage with that. Uh, who are the uh, members in The Feeling? So in The Feeling, you have Dan Gillespie-Sells, the frontman. You have Richard Jones, Kevin Jeremiah, Kieran Jeremiah. Yes, they are related. And Paul Stewart. Uh, and Five Piece, uh, You obviously Dan... Uh, Gillespie Sales and Richard Jones very prominent uh, because of what they've gone on to do. One is a big, uh, continues to be a songwriter. The other married St. Paris Bexter and had lots of children. 
and lots of kitchen discos. I do believe he was the brains behind... I don't want to take it away from Sophie. I'm sure it was a joint effort, but I think he played a big part in the idea and also all the tech behind it. So thank you, Richard, for that. Classic man, erasing women from history. Oh, no, I didn't mean... what. Oh, do you know why I did it, Will? Because you made it out like he was just Sophie Elizabeth's husband. That's why. He's his own talent. So the feeling have had a very long, very successful uh, career. They're not doing too much at the moment. Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I do believe they're working on their next album, but yes, it's not out yet. Uh, something um, should be around, well, hopefully, fingers crossed, this year. But they have had five studio albums we are talking about the first album today dan why are we talking about it it's gonna keep quiet a minute until you realize that i might have already said it i know you have i know you enjoy it when i make you repeat it because you think i wasn't listening but you weren't because it turned 15 on 5th of june the last album they released was the self-titled The Feeling in 2016. Dan, can you remember your first memories of getting into uh, the music of The Feeling? I'm glad you didn't say it's getting into The Feeling, because it could have been a whole other thing. I remember just this time, 2006, I think, kind of, there's a bit of a revival with indie music, wasn't there? There was The Feeling, there was Razorlight, Kaiser Chiefs, Orson... Um, but it was kind of all of it was leaning on the poppier side of things uh, and just thinking about listening to Radio 1 at that time and Chris Moyles and things like that. I just remember hearing the feeling they were all over the radio, but also I had this album CD because I just I just loved their sound. It was so uplifting, optimistic, catchy. I mean, obviously, we're going to go into much more detail on each track. But um, one thing I do remember, Will, which I'm sure you'll love to hear, is that I did used to play this one in the car driving around in my... Peugeot 206, thinking I was the absolute dog's bollocks. Well, I've got news for you, Dan. <laughs> and I'm sure you're going to tell me with absolute pleasure, but yes, do go on, Will. You're not. <laughs> I had the CD, I had the car, I had the streaks in my hair and the kind of straightened at the back with the straighteners. I think I thought I was it. And really, I looked like probably a overweight Will Young tribute act or something like that. Your words, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could say I took them out of your mouth. Uh, Quite. Uh, So we are going to talk about this debut album from The Feeling today. Uh, There are 12 stops from Leicester Square to Bounds Green, uh, which is where, on the Piccadilly line, uh, Bounds Green is where Dan Gillespie Sales grew up. Hence where the title came from. Obviously, if you want to hear about what the artwork is like, We'll get to that later. And I do believe he was around Leicester Square because he was uh, out in Soho. Maybe even I've got a hint in my in my memories that he was at Halfway to Heaven. Have you been there, Will? I used to go to Halfway to Heaven a lot, and I, there are a few people listening to this podcast that also used to go to Halfway to Heaven a lot. And if that's you, hello. Would you have been there in two thousand and five, two thousand and six? Yes. So you could have been in there with Dan. You, Hang on. Some of these songs might be about you, actually. Probably not I Want You Now. But anyone or Strange, maybe. But we'll get to those later. Uh, helicopter. 
Budgie the Little. Will, how about you? When Was you a big fan from the off with the feeling? I love this album, and particularly, I mean, Never Be Lonely, Feel My Little World, Love It When You Call. Uh, and actually, the um, the last track is iconic as well. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, but what is interesting, and I will reference this towards the end of this episode, is how uh, divided uh, the critics were on this album. Bloody music critics, Will. Some of them don't know their arse from their elbow. And they're up their own arses, so I don't know how. Mm. Contortionists. Anyway, <laughs> let's get stuck in, shall we, uh, with side one, track one. And this is the cover of the Liza Minnelli song. <laughs> I want you now. I Want You Now there, the album opener. I love how instant, how catchy this is. I don't even think I'm going to say the catchphrase today, Will, but they really do start as they mean to go on with this track. It's got that classic kind of pop rock sound that, that, you know, clearly I think they're influenced by things like ELO and Queen and things like that and so many other things. Um, This, of course, wasn't a single, but I think it could have been, Will. It could have been. It's got the catchiest uh, chorus. And I think what really hits you initially when you dive into this album is Dan's voice is brilliant, but also just instruments, lots of them, and you can hear them all. And it never ceases, this album, and the feeling in general, to be to still sound organic and authentic, whilst at the same time weaving in some great more pop and slightly more electronic flourishes into it. But you really get that in this first track. Yeah, I completely agree. And it probably, this may be one of the most organic albums or albums made of organic instruments that we've ever spoken about. But what they do creates such good pop music that it completely deserves to be featured on this highly regarded podcast series. Oh, highly regarded? Where, where have you reading that? My mum said it was quite good. Oh. You've taken quite good to mean highly regarded. That's quite a jump, even for you, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> now, I know this is probably a silly question, but who is uh, on writing and production in this? So it's the band. There is an additional name on production that uh, will pop up a little bit later. But for the most part, yeah, it's the band. They're doing it all themselves, Will. DIY. Well, they've got the, they've got the talent. I mean, very talented writers, uh, co-writers, producers, and and instrumentalists, performers, musicians. That's the word uh, in this in this group. So that's a fantastic album opener. But we've got a few huge hit singles to come. So shall we move on, Will? Let's go for it, Dan. Track two: Never Be Lonely. Why should I be sane without you? Tell 
Lonely there. Uh, instantly recognisable. We were singing along, weren't we? We were. Particularly that baby. So catchy, isn't it? And I remember the video vividly for this because he's on the tube train. Uh, and when it goes into the baby, the colour changes. The camera gets really jerky and really almost like a nightmare. I think there's so many hooks in this song. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible. Oh, well, I really was expecting more of a there's more hooks than a dot, dot, dot line there. No, well, I'm trying to defy expectations a little bit. And good for you, actually. <laughs> now, Will, I did say I'd let you know uh, about an, any upcoming guests on production, etc. This one was co-produced by Andy Green. Andy uh, previously, or around the same time, maybe actually worked on Keen's Hopes and Fears. Uh, and Kate Tunstall's Black Horse and the Cherry Tree, and worked with Elton John, among others. So, among others, amongst others, I think. So, um, yeah, great name, bringing kind of those, I guess, indie pop sensibilities. Uh, but this, of course, as we've already said, on the poppier side of things. This was the third single to be released from the album. Got to number nine in the charts. So respectable for a new for a new band. Absolutely, very respectable. But I think what really sells this song, and with a lot of feeling tracks and singles they released, is the writing. Very good. Uh, very relatable. People in love get special treatments. You know, you're, it always feels like that when you're single, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's just, I just, yeah, the, they are such good songwriters. And I'm sure we'll touch on it a bit more later, especially talking about the how it was received. But they're... There were there was some negativity uh, around the album and around the band and around the music they produced, and I just think, you know, th- there's so much positivity in this music, and actually what they do is make music that sa- actually sounds quite simple, and I think it's quite actually a difficult thing to do to create music that's so catchy and so poppy and so uh, that appeals to such a wide audience. Um, so we obviously we hate that kind of um, snobbery in music press, and. And we love this uplifting, catchy pop music. So uh, you've got our vote, lads. Also, I love the line where he goes, uh, and they can bloody well just like it. It's almost like, I didn't want to swear too much, but wanted to swear a little bit. <laughs> I don't want like a parental guidance or advisory sticker on the front of the album, but I do want to get my point across. It's like, you can like it or you can just bloody well just lump it. <laughs> Ruddy hellfire. That's your sort P- of... PG. That's your level of swearing, isn't it? Oh yeah, I can't can't do the f word. I know you're effing and jeffing all day long, but no, not for you. You're, you were raised better than that. Exactly. I was brought up, not dragged up. And I was the latter. Track number three now, and this is "Fill My Little World." Despite this track only getting to number 10, it did sell 400,000 copies. Which is very impressive, especially as this was kind of the dawn of digital downloads, wasn't it? And then playing a part in the charts. 
Um, it was a different time. Oh, I knew you was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously taking the mickey out of me, but it was it was very much of that time. Um, and I think the charts had just been combined, maybe. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, number, what did you say, number 10? Number 10, A yeah. top 10 hit. And, and rightly so. This is a beautiful track. And I, when this song was released, even though it only got to number 10, it was everywhere. It was absolutely everywhere. Do you remember it was played at the end of the last ever episode of The Ricker of Dibley? Yes, when she flew off into the air. Yes. And then it had all sorts of like um, little bits of video and photos of the cast backstage and doing the rehearsals and things like that. A really touching moment and a, and a beautiful, perfect song to do that. Um, did you cry? Do you know what? I don't think I did. I think I, think I felt very happy with the ending. Uh, how about you? No. Did you even like it? Well, it was uh, it was past its best by then, anyway. But it's, this isn't the this isn't the Vicar of Dibley podcast. Oh, can we do that? Or a uh, kind of like week by episode by episode dissection of the Vicar of Dibley? Yeah, we could call it "No Parking Is Allowed in the Upper Field," the Vicar of Dibley podcast. <laughs> I would subscribe to that. No, I would follow that. That's his protocol now. Yes. Uh, what do you think of this track, then? Oh, yeah, once again, I love it. I just think it's so, again, I went off on a bit of a rant before about how well they create catchy pop music. Uh, This does it beautifully. I think the piano really stands out on this one. It really comes to the forefront. Uh, Also, the harmonies, the harmonies throughout are wonderful, uh, but the harmonies at the end of this on their own sound stunning. And it's still, I mean, you still hear this song today, still gets regular airplay uh, and... Uh, it's probably still owing them a few quid as well. Good, good for them. Also, I just love the title, Fill My Little World. It's something so kind of quite cute about it. I think it can almost yeah. be overlooked. It is cute and, yeah, very twee and cute. Yeah, which is kind of what you'd expect from them. Also, this was the second single released from the album, but it was actually their debut single way back in November 2005, but it was unable to chart then for reasons that are beyond my knowledge, Will. Um, I didn't look into it enough, I don't think. <laughs> so not, beyond your mo- not beyond your knowledge, just can't be asked. CBA. <laughs> so... Track number four now, and do you know what? I'm absolutely gasping. Well, luckily for you, Will, Kessel's on. Can't you see you're in the wrong place? Will you please face it? Come home. When I think about your sweet face, I can't So that was Kettles On. And Dan, what did you think? Was it time to put the kettle on or was it time to dig in and just lose yourself in this epic one? No, yeah, I definitely think I could have lost myself in this one, actually. Didn't need any caffeine. I love the fact that we're really starting to see now, even more so with this track, uh, what a storyteller Dan is with his lyrics. Uh, and of course, we have seen that even more so since the uh, album's release uh, with jamie the musical that he wrote i've seen it will i know you've not seen it yet have you 
I haven't seen it, no, but I, I hear very good things from, well, from you. Me, I went with your other half. Wasn't a date, wasn't nothing going on behind your back or anything like that. Uh, you're very happy for us to do so, I think. Right? Well, we'll, we'll cross over it. Um, but it is very good and I think it's just interesting now kind of seeing that hearing those songs seeing how catchy they are how well they work within a story like that and then looking back at this kind of really early the earliest work of Dan's and just seeing you know he's such a good storyteller Will what did you think to it? Uh, It's not it's a great album track and you're right it does showcase that but it's not my favourite song on the album I think I do, I do get into it the kind of further on you go into it. But I'm not a huge fan. Also, it's such a British thing, isn't it? Ke- the kettle's on. Any problems we have, we put the kettle on. And you and I, we are fond of a cup of tea, aren't we? We do. Like We have a lot of tea chat often. And I'm also reminded of, you know, on the BBC, they have that thing before a TV show when it comes up and it says BBC One, it's got lots of clips of people pouring tea. Yeah. Well. I think of that. I mean, I, it's, this is going to sound like me and my other half have the most boring conversations ever, because we do. But we were talking the other day about, he was telling me that apparently um, the kind of electric grid or whatever it's called, the power supply, they have to up it at certain times of day because of the amount of people putting the kettle on at the same time. So one of those will be kind of in the morning. But also apparently in the advert for Coronation Street, they have to up the ante because so many people put the kettle on You know, they used to say this, like when it was like a lot of people were watching TV, they used to say, oh, the National Grid experienced a power surge because so many people... I don't know how true it was, but it sounds very exciting, doesn't it? It's a nice story, isn't it? And the other thing that we were... During our lovely kettle kettle chat the other day, um, apparently, you know, in America, we've seen some of these videos of them making tea in the microwave... Um, yeah absolutely dirty and sorry boogers any american listeners uh, apologize for will's outburst there but it is quite wrong uh apparently it's because the power you know the power in america is different there's different plugs and all that kind of thing there's not enough power to power a kettle there that's why they do it in the microwave that's mad that is i mean feel free to prove me or my other half wrong at track by track uk uh obviously they can put them on a stove or whatever but um makes you think doesn't it will it makes you think uh, it's enough kettle chat and let's get on to the next track. So track number five, uh, this is Sown. My favourite songs on the album, Dan. And do you know what, Will? That really surprises me because I thought you would have gone with one of the poppier moments, shall we say. No, but it's all in the lyrics. Uh, Danny boy, don't be afraid to shake that ass and misbehave. I hope. I feel like it sounds like it's some sort of message of empowerment from someone. Almost to me, I suppose I'm putting my own interpretation of it. It sounds like... Almost an elder saying to him, don't be afraid to be yourself. Whereas for me, it was more like, stop that prancing around. (laughs) Uh, And also the chorus. 
because you've got my heart in a headlock. You stopped the blood and made my head soft. And God knows, you've got me sewn. So we're going to Hey Jude then. <laughs> I don't know that song. Uh, it's new. You've probably not heard it yet. It's new, like Blinding Light, uh, The weekend. <laughs> But it, it's, yeah, once again, I think catchy is almost going to be the word of the day this episode. But with the, is it nanas or la-las that they do on that? Nanas. Nanas and my la-las mixed up. Oh, you've been useless watching the Teletubbies. <laughs> I thought you going to say Naked Attraction. But yeah, that makes it catchy. Even though, as I said, the production feels more stripped in parts, it's more piano heavy. But what I do love about it is it kind of feels like it's coming to an end. And then there's that wonderful elongated outro that extra length of the track and i think seeing it live i don't think i've seen them live before i think that would sound incredible live this was the first thing they ever released and got to number seven in the singles chart besides funny cigarette uh, which i think we've all enjoyed at one point or another very much so not the first song ever released well i did just say before that that was that previous single but first single from this album First properly released <laughs> single. Sorry, I know I shouldn't show you up like that, should I? <sighs> and this was single of the week on the USA iTunes store. Do you remember single of the week? It was a big deal, wasn't it? F- 59p. Was it 59p? I was thinking it was free. Or maybe... Maybe they no, got I think it free you still had to. I can't remember. I think you still had to pay. Oh, I'm not paying for it. Will, when did you last have a funny cigarette? Just out of interest. Uh, about twenty minutes ago. Oh, I thought you seemed quite happy today. I always have one before we start recording. Just makes you a little less uh, aggravating. Ah, I just let it all wash over me. That sounds lovely. We got together recently, didn't we, for the first time this year. We should have had a funny cigarette then. Yeah, because it was quite underwhelming. So something could, <laughs> could have had something to jolly it up a bit. I think I'll bring some board games with me next time. Are oh, you bored? Quite. I mean, you did have a quite a vacant look on your face, but that's just uh, just you. Right, I think there's a lot of animosity now just because I corrected <laughs> you on that fact. So I think we should really move on <laughs> to the next song. <laughs> Track number six now. This is anyone. <laughs> An open heart. What have you done to me? It could have been anyone. 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 But it wasn't you and it wasn't him. It was me who felt like a fool right anyone there this is a great mid album uh track album track yeah i'm just gonna say it. it's a great album track well actually i think we might even slightly disagree here will because i think it is a great album track but actually i was thinking that i remember listening to the cd again probably mostly in the car and um 
kind of the run of I Want You Now is such an instant opener, even though it's not a single. Then you've got a few singles, Kettle's On in the middle, and then you've got this one. And I remember thinking at the time, like, any one of these songs could be singles. I think this could have been a great single, but potentially there's a bit of a disagreement there between us. Which Are you sure? I'm really sure, yeah. I think the chorus in this one is so catchy. Or is it that, actually, just to contradict myself, which I don't often like to do, is it more a case of... It's a great album track. It's as strong as the singles, but it wasn't right for a single. So it'd still be great live because I think the chorus on this is fantastic uh, and almost kind of knocks the song up a gear. But yeah, maybe it wasn't right for a single then, but it's it's a quality, quality album track. Great, great strumming on there. Yeah. <laughs> How, uh, Will, have you seen them live? I have seen them live. I saw them at Glastonbury. And I'm sure I've seen them elsewhere as well, but it escapes me for the moment. But they are a very entertaining band when they perform together. And also, I think if you saw Sophie Ellis-Bexter around the kind of uh, early noughties or late noughties, uh, Dan and Richard would often be uh, part of her band. And in fact, Dan... Uh, Dan uh, Dan Gillespie sells not you Dan um, was co-writer on uh, a number of Sophie tracks I think we've talked about this was, was there a track on the Trip the Light Fantastic album maybe uh, yeah only one and Love is Here uh, and Richard Jones is also appears on Love is Here uh, also- and also Sophie you're going to say this aren't you no no I think I'm going to say something different Sophie appears on Leave Me Out of It, which is a feeling song. I was going to say there's a gig coming up on the 1st of July at the Grand in Clapham with the feeling headlining and Sophie uh, also performing. Well, they kind of make their own sort of super group, don't they? Yeah, we should probably Bit go to that, m- Will. A, m- a muck busted situation. <laughs> much, much, much better than muck busted, I think, Will. Well, I'm going to hesitate a guess. When you saw The Feeling at Glastonbury, were they at Avalon? Yes. I thought so. They sat, they seemed perfect for Avalon. That's a and wonderful you know what? tent. It was, yeah, it's a good, lovely tent. And we've had some wonderful times in that tent together. Not just the two of us. No, not sort of a, it's a big tent. mountain situation. <laughs> <laughs> Although you did spit on your hand, didn't you? <laughs> Well, I thought I'd brush past a nettle, so I had to get a grab hold of a dock uh, leaf and uh, dab it. Uh, so let's move on. Uh, but yeah, it's a great stage and it's a very intimate setting. Uh, it's doing no favours to what I just said. Uh, track seven. This is strange. Is what you give them. They only put you down if you give them permission. People going to see you how they want to see you. People going to rate you. So that was strange. Dan, have you finished singing to yourself? Not really, which is probably quite a strange quality and works quite well with the song. 
I finished now. What do you? Uh, good. Uh, do you? Do you like that? Yes, well, I really like this one. Once again, there isn't a track that I haven't liked yet, which is always good on an album. Uh, particularly, I like how it starts off a bit slower and then it comes in with that kind of wonderful repetition about people going to see you, how they want to see you, people going to rate you, people going to hate you, people going to shove you, people going to love you. What a day that must have been. You enjoy being shoved and loved, don't you? And rated and hated. Uh, I would say this is uh, a little bit of a dip actually it's not uh not amazing but it's not album artwork territory either well that's good that's something positive i love dan's vocal on this one actually i think he really there's kind of a bit of a a yearning in the vocal he kind of really almost seems to like push himself but in a really good way because it plays part of the story um and i do think he's got quite a unique vocal really hasn't he he has i love his voice it's so like it's a very unique voice, but I think he's just a brilliant uh, vocalist and performer. Uh, and if you've ever seen him talk, he's um, just got, he's very inspiring when you listen to him talk. He is a feverant, feverant uh, LGBTQ plus rights uh, supporter. Uh, uh, he, I think it's well, well spoken about that he grew up with two mums. Yes, you know what, Will, actually, I did forget that. And no, I've read that before, yeah. And Dan, didn't you grow up with two nuns? <laughs> no, I grew up with two bums. <laughs> uh, and I thought you were two-faced. Well, there we go. <laughs> but yeah, quite right. And I think at the time when the group came out, it was kind of, it was quite refreshing in a way to have a, what was seemingly or apparently an indie rock band of course with very much with pop sensibilities but fronted by a gay man of course it wasn't the first time ever and there are things from days gone by with bands like queen um, but around this time you had the feeling uh, and then you also had scissor sisters and block party and it just seemed to be kind of a bit of a, a step forward in progression i think with this and actually as a young lgbtq plus person at the time very inspiring i'm sure he'd be thrilled to hear that will i thought we dozed off i sounded really sarcastic then but i was being quite <laughs> sincere <laughs> also will this is the third and final song co-produced with andy green it's also one of the tracks mixed by mark spike stent we've talked about him many times on the podcast before he's worked with the likes of all Saints and Spice Girls, but also Madonna and U2 and Beyonce and Depeche Mode and so many more. Okay, let's move on now. So we're on to track number eight, and this is Love It When You Call. So that was Love It When You Call, uh, another iconic feeling track. And I can't believe, Dan, this only got to number 18 in the charts. It feels like it was a much bigger hit. It really does. It, I think it feels like their most known song. Do you think that's right? Yeah, I think I'd never be lonely as well. But yeah, no, this one actually. Yeah, just decided just now. 
just so just say you you, you really struggled to say that I was right then, didn't you? you try and find another answer. Um, I completely agree, and I was quite shocked myself when I uh, read that uh, doing research for this episode. But also, it was single number four, wasn't it? So I guess by this point, a lot of people had the album. But how is this single number four? This could have been like the lead single. Yeah, who knows? We don't make the decisions well, sadly. If we made all of the decisions for all of the bands, it might be a different matter. But hey, it's still a huge... I think it's still... You could call it a huge hit still because I think this this one will get the most radio play now. And again, like I was saying earlier, this still you still hear this track a lot. Uh, I think it's just... I mean, they've just got this formula, haven't they, of like this cat, really catchy rock pop. And there's actually, you know, a bit of synth in here as well. I think that's why, when I was playing it earlier today, I thought this is maybe the one I love the most because of the synth in there. It's like everything they do amazingly and the addition of these really playful electronics. And I thought this might be your favourite song on the album and it's probably mine as well for that reason. It is my favourite song on the album. I should have said that right up front, but it is. Yeah, it needs to be a bit more up front, I think. Also, just when you think... It's got everything. It's got what they do best and the electronics. Then there's that key change. Then there's this guitar solo. And then there's this wonderful instrumental fade. I just think this is the feeling song that keeps on giving. And it's it's kind of like a archetypal feeling song in terms of what's in it, how they approached it. And again, great lyrics. Great lyrics. And just the simplicity and the catchiness of the chorus. You only have to hear this song once. And you can sing along to it the next time you hear it. And then I love the way it's flipped towards the end. And then the rest of the band are like, he loves it when you call. Yes. He loves it when you call. Yeah. They really play on those, the influences they clearly have from, again, lots of 70s acts like Supertramp, ELO. Elvin well, John, I would say a bit of madness as well. Oh, love madness. Can I get madness on the long list? Or was uh, that a question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Will, what I found really interesting is that I love that this comes later in the album. This is track eight of a 12-track album. But have you seen on the US edition, they completely changed the track listing. So track one is Sown. Track two is Never Be Lonely. Track three is Love It When You Call. Track four is Fill My Little World. They've shoved most of the singles at the top. How do you feel about that? Oh, I think that's dangerous on an album like this because then it would kind of shunts all the kind of not quite as amazing singles, like the some of the album tracks, which to my own by my own admission aren't as strong to the middle and the end of the album, which means you might lose people. Mm. I think you might be right. As I said before, I think the quality of the album tracks is amazing, but I love how they're mixed in with the singles. And Will, general question. Do you love it when people call? No, it's more of an annoyance these days. There's so many other ways to connect with people. Don't ring me. I don't want to talk to you. Apart from my mum. Oh, that's and she listens, doesn't she? So, yeah. Likewise, sometimes. I mean, thank God now for mobile phones and caller ID and all that kind of thing. Because you can just be, you know, watching Corrie or whatever. See a call coming through for someone. I think they're going to go on for three hours. Not now. I think I probably ignore more calls than answer nowadays. Uh, not mine. Track number <laughs> nine now. Nine now. Rose. Oh, 
I love you Especially today So, Rosé there, and Dan, I was about to make a silly joke about them naming it after their favourite drink, but it's actually true. (laughs) Did you not know that? (laughs) It's like the most literal lyrics in the world. I know, but sometimes, you know, there's meanings where there aren't meanings, aren't there? Well, quite right. And also, yes, we're a big fan of taking your own interpretation from a song, aren't we? Uh, and I have to say, Dan, as wine drinkers ourselves, uh, rosé is not one of our favoured tipples. No, I was going to... Yeah, I'm not a big fan of rosé. And I don't mean the song because I love the song. But rosé wine really would be last choice. But, Dan, uh, my goodness, when we get into the white wine... It's been a while, hasn't it, since we've had the white wine? Oh. That's, they're the episodes... <laughs> they're the episodes where they're uneditable because it's just... By the end of it, it's just slurring. Well, and you can't hear you because you're sucking the cork dry. <laughs> uh, after that many bottles. S- suckling suckling the cork. <laughs> this, uh, do you know, this song reminds me a bit of Hurts in the way it kind of builds up. And it's very dramatic. Very dramatic. I This is one of my favourites on the album, actually, Will, which is quite strange when I said that uh, I love love it when you call because of the electronics, and then this one is, I think, probably the most, or certainly one of the most stripped songs, one of the most organic songs, uh, the the biggest ballad on the album, I'd say. But this, I think, part of the reason why I love it so much is because this has always been uh, a regular in my car or shower concert set list. You have a shower in your car, <laughs> car or shower. Just for the places I love to sing, because there's no one else there. However, you know, you know, I, maybe I'll put a tweet out, and if we get 100 likes, I'll share a live version of me singing this song. In the shower. And, <laughs> <laughs> and inevitably, when it gets about three likes, I'll say that we were hacked, and we never meant to do that anyway. Like Rita Ora. You, well, I was going to say, you talk from some experience there, but uh, no, Rita Ora. Mm. But yes, it's written uh, about Rosie and Dan was drinking and probably drunk on... No, I don't want to make assumptions. He was tipsy or merry on Rosie when he started writing this one as a bit of a joke um, there, and then named it after Rosie. Now, looking at what you've got in your hand there, Will, I think if you wrote a song about what you were drinking, it'd probably be called White Lightning. White Lightning? How dare you? This is Diamond White. <laughs> With your Berkeley Reds. Oh, uh, and there is a wonderful, stunning, unplugged version from 2011, uh, which was chosen by Burberry to uh, to use in their global body fragrance campaign. It was also, I think, the lead single from their Greatest Hits collection. Also, well, this was a single, fifth and final single. This peaked at number 38 in the charts. I do love Burberry coats, if there's anyone listening from Burberry. Okay, track number 10 now. This is Same Old Stuff. Just look at how close we are Instead of how far
So same old stuff there. I think this is the part of the album where it's drawing to a close. The singles have all gone now, all five singles. Just a few songs left. Um, so this, you know, this could potentially lead to Peter Out territory. And it's a bit of a gamble here. They've stripped it back even further. Um, but for me, I still enjoy the song. I like, it seems very Queen influenced. And I think what does that for me uh, are the backing vocals or BVs, as I think they're called in the in the industry. Um, but I think this is a great song. Will? What a great time to talk about a fantastic album artwork. Uh, and this is, I love the styling of the artwork through the whole single and album campaign because it's all in keeping this one it's got a lady holding on to a short knob which looks like it's hanging one of the ones you sort of get on the what sorry will you just let me say my piece how do you know it's a lady oh it just looks like a feminine hand that's probably dan's hand you're talking about anyway uh like you get on the underground uh, but you've also got in the background, you've got a uh, key ring uh, and all sorts of things going on there. But each of the singles has a different kind of variation. You've got like high heels, uh, lipsticks and all sorts of things going on. So lovely artwork and the feeling 12 stops and home font font watches back uh, is a lovely curved affair. And Dan, you actually did have a curved affair, didn't you? <laughs> yes. After the Weight Watchers meeting, it was quite a curvy uh situation but no i'm not a huge fan of this song i'm afraid dan well I, and i think you know anyone who listens to the podcast will know that you're not the biggest fan of the you know big ballad stripped songs it, it makes perfect sense um this is the moment i i hedged a bet with the team the track by track team and this is the one we thought was going to be your album artwork song and actually, I could hear, we've got on on FaceTime, the office, on as we always do when we're recording, and I could hear the cheer that went up when I said it. So, yeah. yeah. Also, well, we don't normally go into the detail on album artwork, but a couple of things caught my attention here. The photography on the album is by Solve Sunsbow, who we talked about for doing that iconic Friendly Fires parlour uh, photography of that stunning bird. Um, and also, Tappin Gofton did the graphic design and they've done a lot of uh, Coldplay's work. Well done, everyone. Track number 11 now. And Dan, this is your favourite uh, Christmas night party piece when you're at home with the fam. <laughs> Helicopter. Thank goodness things picked up a bit there after the same old stuff. Much like a helicopter does when it takes flight. Oh, do you think that was the thinking behind it, Will? No, I don't think it was at all. <laughs> no, just one of your kind of very strange Wins. thought processes. A flight of fancy, much like going in a helicopter. Oh, do you think that was a thought process? But no. No, no, no. <laughs> Stuck on a loop here. A bit like a, a helicopter. And... <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> I love the playfulness of this one. I think 
you know, it's very sparse at the start. The bass is very prominent. I think you can hear the piano there. If you close your eyes, you can almost feel the tinkling of the ivories. Um, but then that chorus comes in and it's almost like the whirring of the engine. And I think that's where the helicopter comes into it. And Will, thank you for closing your eyes there when you did that. It's almost like a trust, <laughs> trust exercise. And thank goodness you had clothes on when I opened them again for once. <laughs> I remember when we did do that trust exercise when I had to catch you and you fell back. And sadly, I got a bit sidetracked and let you drop on the floor. I, yeah, I slipped a disc, actually. So I was out of action for six weeks. Yeah. Sorry. It was, I told you it was an accident. Mm. Legal papers have been filed. <laughs> this one will also appeared on a USA-only EP release, Four Stops and Home. I like what they've done, quite playful with the title, but kind of loses the, the meaning behind it. Yes, but that did used to be my journey home when I uh, lived in Vauxhall uh, on the Victoria line. Yeah. Oh, Four Stops and Home. Mm. Lovely. So, yeah, we're on to the last track of the album proper, and this is Blue Piccadilly. Piccadilly. Piccadilly there, obviously a reference to the Piccadilly line, also where the title from the album comes from, 12 Stops and Home. Dan, this is what this is like the perfect closing track to an album, because it feels kind of like the end of the album, the wrap-up, last orders at the bar, you know, just all that sort of thing for me. Yeah, and also I love how it teases you into thinking they're, they're going out on a real slow number and they've lost all that kind of, not lost the energy, but deciding not to have that at the end. And then halfway through the song, completely changes direction. It comes in, it's rockier. It's kind of, it yeah, it leaves you really wanting more from the feeling, which, as you know, to your point, what a good album closer should be. I think this one, Will, is very, we've talked about a lot of different influences that the band uh, have expressed um, but also some that we have uh, conjured up maybe but I think there's a big Paul McCartney slash Beatles influence on this one and again it's kind of the storytelling and the characterization uh, and as again that kind of leads into the musical side of things with there's something about Jamie as well so just um, yeah fantastic track big track lots going on in there but a wonderful closer and whisper it down, but there's a hidden track pss, 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 after this. Don't tell anyone. Mum's the word. Don't tell mother. So just a word on the album performance. Um, despite some of the surprising single placings of the singles in the charts, the album got to number two in the UK, uh, and rightly so. However, it wasn't received completely favourably. Uh, while The Observer gave it five stars... NME gave it four out of ten, uh, and the BBC were less than positive about it as well. But I think on a whole, it's a solid debut album. Yes, completely agree. Will, are we glossing over the Drowned in Sound and Yahoo Music uh, yes. scores? Yeah, okay, good. Okay, just yes. to, 
Yeah, good. Um, and I think because of you know some of those unfavorable or unsavory reviews, even, I think it's just a case of people don't like it when something is instantly popular, loved by all, you know, incredibly catchy, um, and in 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 the best possible way, quite simple in its delivery. People take huge offense to that. Nickers to them. That's what I say. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So it's further listening time, and Dan, we've got we're spoilt with this because there is a deluxe version. It's not just deluxe; it's super deluxe edition of this album, with much to choose from for our further listening today. Isn't that right? That's right. And also, well, this was the twelfth anniversary edition, which sounds like something we would do celebrating the twelfth anniversary <laughs> <laughs> rather than waiting for a big number. Um, but yeah, there's so much to choose from, and Will, I'd love to invite you to go first. Thank you. I have got a brilliant cover of Video Kill the Radio Star from them. They took the credit for your second symphony. We written by machine on new technology. And now I understand the problems you can see. Feelings cover of Video Killed the Radio Star, originally a hit uh, for uh, Bruce Woolley and the Camera Club. But Dan, did you know that one of the writers of this originally was Trevor Horn? I did, Will, because he (laughs) was in The Buggles, who took the song to the top of the chart. So it was released by uh, Bruce Woolley first, but then... The bug. I don't know why they wrote it for someone else first and then recorded it as the Buggles. Uh, but yeah, I believe they topped the charts with it. Uh, also, with Tra- Dan, I love the way you say the Buggles. I thought you might, and I, and I did think don't don't say it too northern, but uh, it happened. Uh, I love the way Dan gets his voice to sounding a little bit like the Buggles version. Yeah, it's a perfect cover. Again, we've talked about so many influences. Uh, of the feeling but surely this is one of them as well particularly on maybe love it when you call where they play with the electronics more um also fun fact for you will because i'll probably never get the opportunity to say this one again but on the video for the buggles version hans zimmer the legendary score composer who has done things the dark knight trilogy and inception and the new bond film coming up and all sorts of things he plays the keyboard in the video and when i saw hans zimmer a few years ago at wembley arena uh, Trevor Horn came on stage and they performed this song together with the full 50-piece orchestra and choir. It was oh. phenomenal. Wow. That's a great fact, actually, Dan. Sorry, oh. that sounded quite insincere, but I meant it. No, I actually sounded very sincere. I thought cause you'd never said anything quite like that to me before. I'm feeling a bit choked. Well, unchoke yourself, Dan, because I'd love to hear your further listening choice. So, Will, we said we both loved Love It When You Call, so I am going to go for that song once again, but this is the choral version. Now you're so far. Are you quite sure? Just who you are. So take a little time Come on and take 
So that is Love It When You Call, the core version. This was actually performed by Tufts Beelzebubs, um, which is a male a cappella group of students. And this will come as absolutely no surprise, but they're best known for providing song arrangements and background vocals um, for the a cappella glee club, the Dalton Academy Warblers from the TV series. Oh, wow. That's a great, Link. So, were you a fan of Glee? I think we might have had this one before, but did you watch Glee? Yes, yes, yes. I liked the first couple of seasons, but then it petered out. <laughs> you really don't like repeating yourself, do you? No, no. In fact, I've probably no. asked that before, and you probably got mad at me asking that one already. Um, and I was, I was, to be honest, Dan, you just taking the wind out of my sails because I wanted to make a joke about you surrounded by a group of men uh, all in harmony with each other, but it's gone now. It's too late. Oh, And sorry. also... We're out, out of time. time. And when we record separately, that bit really is always out of time. It's so difficult to get <laughs> yeah. right. Which adds to the fun. Yes. So that was our journey through 12 Stops and Home from The Feeling, their debut album. Let us know what you think about this album, about The Feeling, and about this episode at Track by Track UK. And if you have enjoyed the episode, please do head over to Apple Podcasts to give us a positive rating and a review. Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to what's coming up next on Track by Track? I can. So next week, Will, we are talking about one of our favourite bands, certainly my favourite band, and we are going right back to celebrate their debut album as it turns 40. So until next time, I've been a helicopter... And I've been Sophie Ellis-Bexter. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>